0: Key, Brandon.
1: Welcome back to another edition of The Brandon Peters Show, and the first one on my brand new computer. Yes, folks, I'm back in business. Today, we'll be discussing David Lynch's 1990 film, Wild at Heart, Heart. and to babble and ramble about the film. Today, I'm especially honored, humbled, and... Tickled, to have the man behind the music act, Metavari, and from the About the Show section of the site, Nate Utish. Hey, hey. What's up? Hey, welcome. So happy to have you. Not only be a guest, but to have you be a part of the show every single episode. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. So thank you for coming on. And people who listen maybe don't know, but you and I have known each other for a long time. Sure have. I think. Was it fifth grade that we... At least. I think because I, I yeah. moved to a new school and then you were like the first person to like hang out outside of school. Oh, that's yes. awesome.
2: Yeah, right. Playing Sega, 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 Sega. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, watching <laughs> stupid movies and, and right. doing things. Oh, man. What is better than that as a child? No,
1: no. no. You think you were the one who introduced me to Strange Brew. Oh, of fantastic. all things, and uh, which I recently showed my kids, and they loved it. oh, that's awesome,
2: man, I was just considering that with my child the other day, I'm like is it uh, can you watch stranger brew as a three year old it's it's pretty appropriate, yeah, yeah. Fit.
1: yeah. <laughs> eight and six they, they okay all right. they were they perfect. Were, they were calling people hosers, so I love that. <laughs> That was, that was good. I was trying to get him to go. It's not a jelly, but um, it's awesome. Yeah, so we went through, like, we graduated high school together. Yep, yep. And paths continued to cross every so often, every so many years. I think we met people during college time. We met people that ended up knowing each other, and we lived with one of them or some, I knew somebody right when I was going to college and you knew somebody and they were like, do you know, um, this guy, whatever. I know that guy <laughs> they brought him in the house. It was crazy.
2: Those kind of reunions are the best, you know, when it's like actually a friend. Oh yeah. He just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, Oh, this is, this makes no sense that I'm seeing yeah, you in this house.
1: Right I wound now. up with this guy. I wound up with this guy. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, okay. Right. So great. Like a happy, like, Oh, I ran to my ex-girlfriend. And new, <laughs> with my new girlfriend, and like the good version of something like, that. Um, yeah, exactly. Oh man, but yeah, you've been a longtime musician, very good at it. Your first band was a punk band named Templeton. Was it? Yeah? Yeah. That was it. I got it. <laughs> all, right, sure. right, all right, right, right. Remember that? I had to oh, search my gosh. brain for like what was that name called? Wow, um, it's like a trio, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. What in the world? Yeah, named after. Uh, Ed Templeton, the yeah. uh, skateboarder yeah. at the time that I loved, which is just so stupid. But, oh, man, I love that you remembered yes, that.
1: Good. And and then you had a, I remember also a new metal band you had that I don't remember the name yeah. of that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the, the stages you go through. Oh. All of a sudden you met a bar and when did you begin to like explore produce like electronics atmospheric music because punk metal and then (laughs) screw it i'm doing that man good question i mean i was in a band in college
2: and i bought a synthesis i bought like my first like big kid synthesizer Mm -hmm. in was it college it's either my senior year or like freshman year college didn't know what the hell I was doing with it. You know, it had like, it was a Moog prodigy. I got it for cheap because somebody had put fingernail polish everywhere. There was like wood. So mm-hmm. it just it looked horrible. So I was trying to play that in like this rock band, but it was so fun. And I I liked electronic music at the time, but it wasn't, it it kind of felt like this. Like I felt so detached from ever being a reality for my life as a musician because mm-hmm. of electronic music. It just felt like another brain that wasn't my brain. And got I would right. never play it as much as i loved it it would not be something i would ever understand and all of a sudden you know in a couple years time my roommate at the time he and i um, were making music together and he bought a drum machine and we actually got free laptops through some like internet scam that we found a loophole through and then all of a sudden we had like macbooks Uh and recording software and just started dabbling Mm. like huge huge fans of apex twin and like old brian eno ambient stuff and just started playing around with sound design and synthesizers and sequencing of electronics and making beats and stuff like that and I think 2006 was like the the year that we put a name to it called it metavari I've been doing metavari one way or another since 2006 which is crazy something should have come of it by now but it hasn't so
1: <laughs> <laughs> metavari where'd the name come from
2: oh man it's so it's so stupid but I had this weird opportunity to like visit Turkey for like a couple months around the time that we were like making this like you know ambient abstract electronic music whatever in our basement together. But I got back from Turkey and we're doing the thing that you do where you name a band and throw stuff in a hat and you know open up dictionary and mm-hmm. make up words and all that dumb <laughs> stuff that goes right. there. But it's just so fun. It's like a you know adolescent or somebody in their like early twenties like name and shit and one of the first songs we wrote was called prince or princes and i had met this guy in turkey that was from the country georgia and was just kind of like obsessed with how like mystical and magical and weird he was and different And me and I like loved all the conversations I had had with him. So I wanted to like name it a Georgian word and the Georgian word for princes. I don't know how to pronounce, but a completely like annihilated Western pronunciation of that word is (laughs) Metavari. So it's just like so dumb and weird, but it's like practically a made up word, but inspired by this Georgian word for prince.
1: But it became a good story. (laughs) (laughs) You say you have no success, but I mean, success... As I've talked in a different episode, I mean, there's different barometers for it. But you've actually, pre- right. I mean, you've had albums, yeah. And yeah, you've yeah. Uh, are they like self produced kind of, and you send them off, and someone puts them out, or do you go and somebody puts you in a studio, or
2: it's it's changed a lot over the years. You know, I've been really fortunate. We were on a, a label in the earliest days of Metavari. Mm-hmm. There were five of us. We recorded a couple records in that iteration of the band did some stuff in a studio some stuff our own hired a mixing engineer for one of the records so so that that was kind of cool to have that experience as like a a band since it's been me or myself and you know one or two other people over the Mm -hmm. last several years it's looked a lot different where it has mostly been self-produced but the label representation now is a lot larger so we're on a a record label who is distributed by light in the attic in seattle which does you know john carpenter's catalog and the stranger things soundtracks and all this business that i have no business putting (laughs) out records alongside of but we do now so it's amazing you know have this like worldwide distribution and record store date stuff and it's just been insanely fortunate what we've stumbled into and this the life that is Metavari right now
1: (laughs) yeah you've got stuff on vinyl too right yeah that's awesome that's that's how many copies of each do you keep for years just for safekeeping? Man, like,
2: just not not as much as I wish. I wish <laughs> I would, because then I end up like slowly giving them away, or somebody will ask, like, "Hey, I can't find it. Can I? Do you have any extra copies?" I'm like, "Ah, yeah, I guess I'll I'll sell you this one." And then I'm down to two or whatever, you know. But it's all right. It's got gotcha. you. It's awesome.
1: Have you done any scores for any like independent films, or been approached about it at all? Because your music can, kind of can fit into that avenue. Yeah,
2: oh. yeah. It's, so it's kind of been a weird ride in that angle. Like what. One of the biggest projects I was a part of was a rescoring mm-hmm. of a, a film, a rescored Metropolis. as like okay. an official Record Store Day title in 2017. And then that was kind of a cool gateway that uh, we did a tour where we played it at theaters and events where we screened the film alongside playing it live. And then, you know, got offers to do little, Little things like no big motion picture stuff. I, I right. got to pitch to producers for some film in Hollywood. And I don't know who the directors were, but it, I didn't get chosen to be the composer on the film. But it was like the, a taste of what that world gotcha. might look like. But we're actually working on a, a documentary, a score for a documentary film okay. right now. Yeah, it's, it's been weird. I, I haven't, you know, it, it would be a dream to work on a, a, a motion picture. But right now, it's, it's small, small fish that I'm frying.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. And then you've also, I mean, we're going to talk about David Lynch in a bit, but you've done some rescores inspired by David Lynch. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So a year after the Metropolis rescore, the same label offered to do another official, well, we would pitch to Record Store Day that it be an official title. If we could come up with something else to rescore because the Metropolis rescore went over really well. So we went back and forth on a lot of different things. David Lynch is a huge influence on me visually and musically and had this concept to create like 40 minutes of music that would be rescores of 10 short films. They loved it. I produced it in a few months and we pitched it and it made its way in and became an official title in 2019. And it's called Absurda. It's maybe my favorite thing I've ever done, honestly. Oh, wow. Awesome. That that record. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Is that the one with uh, Diane's song on there? Is that on? That it one? isn't. Is- it Oh, isn't. No, okay. no, no. That was just
2: another. That's another one. Yeah, it oh, was. Uh, what was that for? There, there's a. Have you ever come across that blog? Welcome to Twin Peaks. It's kind you of like I have. It, it, they're it's just like remarkably nerdy repository of David Lynch and Twin Peaks information, and they were working on with a label to put out this like compilation of Twin Peaks inspired music and. I wrote a song called Oh Diane, like yes. using lines from the movie and turning them into lyrics. And it was ridiculous, but that was super
1: fun. It was pretty cool. And then you got, you also do a live shows too. I mean, you're at just like yeah. studio only You have some pretty cool, I mean, you tour, you, you play live senior live show. It's pretty awesome. It's got lighting, oh, good lighting. And that's, yeah, it's, it's like that. so
2: fun. It's so, yeah. I mean, have not played in a while uh, with the, <laughs> the, Obviously. Earth,
1: the earth as it's spinning
2: currently. But yeah, the last tour we did was after Absurda came out. We toured the U.S. and a little bit of Canada, screening the Lynch short films and performing in front of it. And it was awesome. It was a blast uh, working with a drummer now, kind of this like contemporary percussionist that wrote mm-hmm. these like wild drum and percussion pieces over a lot of the material that I'd scored. And it was uh, our first time playing together on this tour. It was awesome.
1: Oh, that's cool. You did do like a an ev- like a safe event, re- like well, not recently. That was a long, yeah, just a while back. Yeah, for the fall. yep, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. There
2: that. was a. It was like oh, what a, a social distancing yeah. show, you know, where it's outside and everybody's mapped out in a grid yeah. and wearing masks and as safe as it could be, but a completely strange, you know, playing to a bunch of seated people six feet apart on on the lawn, you know. Yeah. But good for you know our music. It's very like cinema it's not dancing music it's cinematic right. it's it's strange and you know a lot of it's kind of non-linear in a lot of ways so just to have people sit and absorb it yeah, <laughs> felt it <was> right
1: <laughs> taking it yeah i wanted to go to that but i was like i'm i'm not going i just i'm yeah, yeah. weary about everything no like, it oh. was it was pretty wild oh yeah and also one thing about you is um you're also one of like one of the best, like hand drawn artists I've ever met before. Oh, and like your God, stuff, thanks, your stuff man. when we were when we were kids, <laughs> your stuff was better than most adults. So, <laughs> oh, you're and crazy. it's pretty crazy. You got like the dual thing going. Where I mean, a lot of musicians, co- I mean, will have the artistic side stuff, but like, yeah, uh, you obviously do your own artwork, right? For the metal, I do. stuff. do. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you've done some other ones too that are pretty cool.
2: So, the last about seven years, I, I've actually worked in my. My daylight hours for a record label. I'm part of their art department and Mm -hmm. an art director at the label and get to work on the packaging for all the bands that come through. So half of the roster, I work with the bands on either designing their package for them or helping them through the process and through that. And some like freelance opportunities have, have gotten to work on some really cool album cycles for bands from like Smashing Pumpkins to Weezer and a lot of bands on the secretly Canadian and Jag Jaguar. It's so a a really cool thing to kind of have a foot in both of those worlds in the music industry. Uh, Not that like, you know, Metavari is this career artist, but you know, as a, you know, a vocation in performing and as a composer, and then also a career in the visual art side of the music industry, I feel Mm -hmm. really fortunate to have a foot in those worlds and kind of, See how everything's made in that way. It's 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 been really inspiring in a lot of ways for what I do as a metavari to work with artists that are light years ahead of me. But when they're not dicks, they're inspiring people. It's a it's a a flip of a coin sometimes. But
1: it's... they're particular. Cool. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I've dealt in different ways. Um, (laughs) I myself can be particular, but like speaking of that, we'll go that. uh, You made the song for this show, which I'm eternally grateful for. Dude. Uh, which I came to you, like the minute, I, I think I came to you before I announced that the other show was gone. I think I might have. Oh, that's awesome. I'm not sure, but I was working on 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 this, and I was like, my first choice, I want him to do my song. Oh man, that's <laughs> if he good. can, if he can, <laughs> and then you were doing, it and you did it for nothing, and I'm like, holy crap! Like, I couldn't. <laughs> it was so it, fun. I went for art for this show and was getting these astronomical prices, and I was like, oh. Oh man yeah yeah but yeah and you like nailed it like it was insane i mean the, the fact that
2: it's you right. A, it was like yeah this is gonna be so fun and then you sent me your the references of like music you liked like what you what it should kind of harken to and it was mm-hmm. you know Everything that I listened to already, I'm like, okay, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm doing this. this is going to be great,
1: right? Yeah, because I, I gave you. I was like, I was like, I want some Giallo stuff because I, I had backup in case you didn't get it done in time or whatever. I was going to use the theme song from uh, Tenebrae, uh, yeah, Dario yeah. Argento film, which I really liked. And that was like kind of the kicker. But you got it. You got it done in time. Like you, uh, like got it done it's, way in time. I think. Um, okay, I
2: couldn't remember. It was like, was it a Skin of the Teeth? Cause no, it, it, there was right.
1: a there was a time where I was trying to hit after Labor Day. And you got it in like two weeks before that, which was fine. And I remember when I got it, I just listened. I was like, "Oh man!" I'm like, "I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna send it to a couple people and see what they think of it." And I yeah. sent to my, my producer, and he was like, "Fuck you." <laughs> Cause, he, 'cause we run a um audio drama thing that's been slow as hell called Don't flinch, which is a horror anthology audio drama series, and he's been looking for like a theme for that stuff, and he's like oh, he's been he's been given some kickback because of the content we've produced that's you know not out there or whatever some of the composers are like, I don't want my name on that oh, and, interesting, uh, and he's like, fuck you you would- <laughs> just <laughs> I was like uh-huh, and then I listened to other people, and I think Nick Rust was on here recently and he's on Literate Gamer and he was helping with stuff before, in pre-show and he's like, I'm still mad at you for that song. Like how did you- <laughs> so it has gotten rave Oh, reviews that's great.
2: oh man across the board. So and there
1: were two versions. You had one, which was great, and then you added just a hint in the next one. And it was yeah. like, Oh, it's it's even <laughs> better. So uh,
2: it's it was such a funny thing because, you know, I, I think I you know, I'm a a silly person in my life, but my music mm-hmm. tends to be a little dark, a little more brooding. And I'm like, is right. it, and I think we talked about, it, I was like, is this going to feel like this weird, like <laughs> pretentious, you know, overlord right. intro music?
1: And maybe it does, but that's,
2: that's all right. It's so shame. You're like, it. Oh, we're yeah. going to
1: have some serious discussion <laughs> yeah. on this show. But yeah. I think that you added a little element and it, took, it gave it just the hint of pep that it needed. Yeah, good, good. And, and I was like, you know what? I don't care if it fits. This is just awesome. And you don't turn down <laughs> awesome. Like, I was talking about on an episode, we talked about uh, the Bleak 1A2's uh, Adams song. And I read that Mark Hoppus wrote it when they were doing Enema of the State. And he wasn't sure. He took it to the band. He's like, I really like this song. We're making an album, but I just won't go on there because, you know, it's a sad bastard kind of song. And, you know, it's probably not going to fit. And they're like, no. Good songs go on our albums. I don't care if it fits or not. The rest of the band was like, it goes on. So I'm like, yes, it goes. I don't care. This thing was awesome. And I realized it It sounds great. And I hated hated chopping it up a bit to make it fit. Uh, I hate it. I'm like, I want it to go as long. And luckily, the end credits plays the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, I wanted it to. (laughs) I was like, no, you have to hear the whole thing. But I've learned, like, a lot of people want the show to get started so right yeah anything that makes sense. as long as it starts between 30 and 40 seconds i think i'm good but and as long as you hear a voice at the <laughs> yeah, start yeah but man, oh, man yeah yeah you and jessica did me so well uh with that and the yeah the i eternally grateful for that theme Dude, song
2: so welcome it was, it was, i love hearing all
1: that i'd go
0: the far end of the world for you baby
1: rocking good news Mama can't
0: stand it. I'm gonna hire me a hitman. Don't we'll
2: be getting carried away. But Sailor and Lula can't
0: help it. Baby, you got me hotter than George A. S.
1: suppose. Newsweek calls it spectacular and fun. <laughs> you really are dangerously cute, baby. From the director of Twin
2: Peaks, David Lynch's Wild at Heart, this summer's wildest love story. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 17th at theaters nationwide.
1: Wild at Heart is written directed by David Lynch, based on a novel by Barry Gifford. It stars Nicolas Cage, Laura Dern, Willem Dafoe, Diane Ladd, J.E. Freeman, Isabella Rossellini, Harry Dean Stanton, Calvin Lockhart, Crispin Glover, David Patrick Kelly, Grace Zabriskie, Jack Nance, Sherilyn Finn, and Cheryl Lee, which... I you know some of these people aren't in the movie as that much, but damn, they need to be noted. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about young lovers Sailor and Lula run from the variety of weirdos that Lula's mom has hired to kill Sailor. And this (laughs) for for Lynch, this is his first feature film following Blue Velvet. It's right smack dab in the middle of Twin Peaks, uh, as you'll see with the cast in this. And there are some people that blame the second season of Twin Peaks on this movie yeah, some of his yeah. lows but it has nothing to do with it like the, his, his i'm res- glad
2: we're not going there his response
1: <laughs> his response to anything with twin peaks his leaving of it had nothing to do with doing wild yeah, right. it had it had everything to do with some network issues he did not want to outright solve the laura palmer murder and yep. that was what and he said fine i'll do it and i'm out and then he came back towards the end and it was Saved it too late. Yeah, I saved it, but it was—I <laughs> guess too late. Yeah, yeah that's I,
2: true. Not exactly saved it, but
1: there's a lot of weird stuff going on in that middle section. <laughs> yes, but we're sir, here it's for a while. That heart—it's uh, it's his. It's kind of his Bonnie and Clyde, right? That's the, yeah, right. It's a about he calls it uh, calls them Elvis and Bubblegum. That's what he he refers. Oh, that's to that's Lula and Sailor. And I mean, you've probably seen cage memes from this. <laughs> I'm kidding. You gave me like a list, and I'm like, I want to do like all of these. But <laughs> David Lynch's birthday is coming up next week. I share the birthday with him, January 20th. It's one of the greatest days of the year. And this year, yes, it will be a great day. Yes. yes uh, I will. <laughs> everybody's excited. I go, at, every time I see on Twitter someone mention the date, I, I go, <laughs> it's like, everybody's <laughs> excited for my birthday. which January Perfect. 20th. Good day. David mm-hmm. Lynch, his birthday's that day. A lot of other people, like Tom Baker, my favorite doctor. Whew, oh, crazy. So it's all good. And uh, McCoy from Star Trek, uh, DeForest Kelly, the original. Oh, all Bones. right. Bones, yes. Man, that's a good birthday. It is birthday. pretty good. It is pretty good. I-, I can sour it with Stacey Dash, but <laughs> we can- we can do that. So uh, yeah. So what this one, why you know, was this one of the Lynch's on your radar to pick? Yeah,
2: from? man, that's such a good question. I mean, we've t- we talked about Lynch a lot. I I love David Lynch. It, it's not one of the first films, and, and definitely not one of my favorite Lynch films. But mm-hmm. you know, I've I've practically been a, a lifelong Lynch fan. I, I have mm-hmm. I have this phenomenon in my life that I feel so fortunate for, and that is that my dad, for some reason while being a conservative religious midwestern man had had for some reason had no filter on like music and movies for me so i was like raised in this house where like rated our movies out of the gate it's like hey i liked it so you're gonna watch this even though you're sex or whatever and, and lynch was one of those things i remember we we are dune was the first thing i ever saw not that that's you know, right great lynch canon but i remember being at the video store and i mean i was probably 13 and he sees the twin peaks pilot episode oh in the video store and it was you probably know but like how that the pilot episode there's like a european version that's Mm -hmm. self-contained in case the show wouldn't get picked up they'd have like this film Mm -hmm. version of it and you could rent that version of it for a while so we're in the video store he's like oh yeah uh, this at the time, you know, the show was only a couple years old. So he's like, Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I remember this when it was on TV. You're going to love it. We rent it. I did love it, but not for the reasons I love it now. It just was something weird, you know, it had, right. this, you know, the a little person in it and strange music and a, a lot of sexual overtones, but but no topless scenes. So it was like, okay to watch yeah. with my parents or whatever. <laughs> but then I went straight from that to firewalk with me. <laughs> and, and he's like, well, I'm watching that as this like 13 year old with my father and both loving it, you know, of me loving it for very different reasons. than him." But then those two rentals, the, the pilot episode and the and Firewalk with Me were the things that I rented every time I had sleepovers. Like, oh
1: yeah, kid. yeah, yes, I mean, yeah. Maybe we've even you, I'm sure. Yeah, we've
2: you watched showed it me together. Firewalk
1: with Me. Yeah, I had the, yeah. no idea what it was I was like, yeah. all
2: right. So, but then and, you, and then as like you know adolescence went on, I obviously like went. Head first, and David Lynch watched everything. I remember buying the Twin Peaks on VHS at Suncoast Motion Pictures, and mm-hmm. saw Wild at Heart finally, and everything else, and just ate it up. So then it's it's been this weird thing that I've returned to as I've grown old, and it's also I guess I should note note like I'm while I do love film and I love Lynch, I'm not like an avid rewatcher of movies. Like I watching this to prepare for this episode yeah. is probably the third time I've seen wild at heart
1: right this is one of my in, in the l- lesser last, yeah like, yeah I, I saw it like like a year ago i had to review the blu-ray so i've seen it recently but this is one of my like lesser watched ones of his totally say. Yeah. totally
2: so i think when we we're i was like drafting drafting the list to you it was like okay we could do mahalan drive we could do firewalk with me but yeah. maybe let's talk about a weird one do i regret it i don't know we'll find out as we Talk, but but here it is while at heart, and it's you know, it's pretty linear for it's fairly straightforward for being a a lynch. There's obviously wacky stuff happening, but
1: it's a weird dichotomy with Blue Velvet's probably his most like that's not Dune, which I'd say Blue Velvet's more accessible than Dune, honestly, right? Is Dune, (laughs) but I would say like it's his most accessible, like after Blue Velvet, it's accessible, but. He tricks you because if you're like, Oh, yeah, I like exactly. blue velvet, I'll go to what is this? <laughs> yeah, like it. it it's, it's narratively pretty. turned easy. up a little, mm-hmm. 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 but right around here, you get natural born killers just similar to this, but much more less what the fuck than wow, the heart here. But yeah, right, it's it's weird because it's straight, it's it's odd, and sometimes the odd comforts you from some of the straight it's really weird what yeah, how he plays right. with this right it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting
2: there's something too about it i'm curious what you thought about this but like i mean obviously we know that it came out like smack when twin peaks was happening and mm-hmm. there's people that swear like you said like that the reason why lynch isn't involved in season two mm-hmm. is because of wild at heart so they're they're very closely related actors are closely related but now re-watching it all these years later being much more familiar with Twin Peaks. It feels a lot like Twin Peaks, like yeah, a lot to me. Film quality, music, just the mom, the editing, the mom, editing, the mom. Right yeah, 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 the, the just the pacing of things. It, it was the 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 cross dissolves. Mm-hmm. Like there was so much of it where I've just found myself like realizing how similar the world felt to Twin Peaks in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, it's where his head's at at the time. Like, and he's yeah, not afraid. Right. Like, I don't like I, I told you and someone once discussing me and they mentioned like, you know, Lynch, he's, he's not like you're. he's not filmmaker. He's not painter. He's just like this artist. Like he's this brain right. and he's not going to care that his last film looked like this. And then this one carries some of the, he's figuring things out. He's expressing himself and he doesn't care if it's proper film work, if it's proper, this, that it's his way of expression. And it's, I don't know how the guy's done it his whole career like unfiltered like just, right. They right just like let him like go like most of those people get harnessed punished director jail but Lynch has been allowed to just go and
2: it, yeah that's that's really interesting
1: and there's something in the guy I mean like he was who George Lucas wanted for Return of the Jedi right. like I right. I don't know what that movie gonna look like but uh, I, I have a hard time thinking he would enjoy working on it I know
2: I, have you I'm sure you, have you seen the interviews where people have asked him to to react to his time talking to George Lucas and oh. I, I I guess he got like a horrible migraine and it was just like all mm-hmm. I could think of was like how to get away from the the interview he was happening with having with George Lucas, like, as oh, fast geez. as possible, and it's just really hilarious.
1: Because oh, he's not one of those guys. He came around, like, around the time with them. Like, he's at the end of that decade with, like, Carpenter and stuff, but, like, there's the whole film school, and he was one of those, ooh, brilliant artists coming out of that free reign 70s, you know, change in film decades, but he wasn't one of those guys. Yeah,
2: right. Very and much he, not.
1: And he's kind of, like, in a way where Friedkin's more technical... Like who did The Exorcist and French Connection, all that he you know picked up and went with it. He didn't go to film school, but he wound up with those guys. He fit in with those guys a little bit because he started Zotrope with Coppola and Bogdanovich. But then here comes Lynch, same kind of deal, but he's not.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's no, no, interesting. He's the more that's, the
1: arts, the more arts, uh, abstract right. guy. Yeah, way more whereas, nebulous in his like
2: yeah. conception of what he's after. Whereas yeah.
1: Friedkin picks up on the technical side and mm-hmm. like, everything, but they're both not film brats. Film school brats like right, these guys, right? But yeah, this one, I you know, he likes a book. Like he'll do, like he does a straight story down the road in the <laughs> exactly. same decade. Disney, and, right? And it's just kind of odd, but he just does what he wants, and you're never gonna figure him out. He's not gonna tell you, yeah, oh, no way. With his films, you experience them. His joy is hearing what you thought, <laughs> you saw. You're yeah, you're not supposed to watch it like. Normal, and that's not an excuse for sloppiness, that's not an excuse for something that doesn't make sense. It's just a different way of appreciating a a film Mm -hmm. and work. And it's Mm -hmm. you know, not for everybody, of course, but even this film's no different, even though it's narratively, yeah. I know I'm
2: I'm glad you brought that like that ethos that he has. Like, you, like, any fan of Lynch knows that about it. Like, that's such a big part of him and i feel like that has kind of been maybe the single most like inspiring thing about him for me mm-hmm. like that that has dictated the kind of music that i like and yeah. art and even the music that i make is th- this idea that it can be bizarre it can be i don't know obtuse whatever and the interpretation of it after you let it go is part of the ride is part of the experience right you you having to stop and explain it like I remember a quote of him saying something like he hates having to finish anything because then he has to explain it when he's done, and it's it's just great. I, I absolutely love that about him. I love that about art. Yeah, this idea that it is intentionally for you to figure out, right? And the the your your journey of like processing that and its bizarreness is part of the film. You know, you you just mm-hmm. nothing. I love something is, nothing that asks is set me to retur- return to yeah. it. yeah,
1: like- right and i think with lynch you get a faction of people that say they're lynch fans but they're really kind of more twin peaks fans like mm-hmm. i feel like there's mm-hmm. a a break off there's people like twin peaks and then when the return came they were like what is this i'm like this is this is like yeah i don't know how he convinced somebody to make this Right, oh, this is amazing. Or he's
2: like referencing his entire life in these episodes, and and the Twin Peaks fans are going, "What? <laughs> what am I watching?" He's just making this uh,
1: grand stroke. Yeah. No, oh, Cooper's not. Co- I'm like, he's not going to bring him back to like yeah. the last minute.
2: Yeah, the I think the moment that I realized that's what was happening, it was like, "I hate you," and you're genius. Because like the, you're not going to give us Cooper to the very, very end, and and it's a,
1: there's an old thing and don't give the audience what they want you know there's a this is what not what you want but it's what you need or something like but i think right. art shouldn't be constantly catered nothing and i saw i'm not going to take credit for this but none of your favorite stuff ever came from fan catering or safety or something it came from you yeah. leaving your comfort zone and trying something That's weird great. granted we're going to have a whole <laughs> generation of people learning stuff from fan catering but I don't know.
2: Yeah. There's a time and place, you know. There, there is. Mandalorian exists for a very specific reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always I I do find it funny when people talk about, "Oh, that episode was a fan, fan wagon. I'm like, "This show is based yeah. off another what makes you fan think it's not? character." Yeah. Like the entire show exists because of a fan-pandering character. Totally. Like that it's Yep. Back to while wow, that heart yeah, yeah. um this has a it's a weird there's a lot of allusions to Wizard of Oz, but there's no straight connection. Like there's the Yellow Brick Road of them traveling, I guess, yeah. with the mm-hmm. the yellow lines and this. But and then there's the, the the ball, and I'm try I was trying this time really hard to put it together, and I I can't. Like I thought Cage towards the end when he put on the snakeskin jacket, I was like, oh, he's the wizard, but oh, maybe he's not. Uh, yeah, and it's it's there, and I'm just not. Seeing it all the way, but I'm like, mm-hmm. who are the three? Like, who are the cowardly lion, the scarecrow, and the tin? Like, I'm not
2: right. Yeah, it's it's loose, and it's, yeah. I mean, I don't even think I knew until this rewatch that Diane Ladd was also playing the wicked witch. Oh yeah, yeah, in those crystal ball scenes. For some reason, I think I had remembered that as just being these quick interjections of like nonsense and like, Oh yeah. wait, she, okay. I, I don't know. It's, when it's idiotic of face, me, but yeah, exactly. So there's
1: that. <laughs> yeah. She's clearly got the wicked wishing, but then when uh, there's the, the click in the heels, no place like home in her red high heels. I'm like, but she wants to go home. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's where you want to go, but so I'll just go, let's just go with stuff we found. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. Watch. This is a, this is a Bonnie and Clyde tale of running away. The mom is essentially not happy. Like, Nicolas Cage, his character and Laura Derns are together. She's, I'm going to say, a bit younger than him. He's a former, like, car wheelman for a a mob boss guy. And one night, Laura Derns' mom hits on him at a gala. He refuses. She sends a guy to, like, kill him. He kills the guy. He goes to jail. He comes out. They go out on the run because her mom doesn't want... Him to do anything. She hires a detective. He's not good enough, so she hires the old mob boss that was Nick Cage's boss, who she has a relationship with. And then there's a whole bunch of shit that goes on. <laughs> a bunch of people get hired. Flashbacks happen. A lot uh, of people die. But the mom, I feel her anger. Like when you find out with Santos, was that his name? Yeah. Yep. All right. I feel like the whole thing with the mom is that her relationship with Santos, she sees lula and sailor like that was me in that with yeah yeah and and in her fear of trying to stop it she's creating it and her recklessness but i i see that little yeah. bit there but she goes insane and it's and if you watch other lynch movies this is this character kind of appears in different things <laughs> right. And uh, she's actually Laura Dern's mom in real life too, uh, Diane Ladd.
2: Yeah, yeah. Which is, I I didn't know that until the the rewatch as well, which is, I mean, I remember, I think it was when The Return came out, Dern was talking about, you know, her her life with Lynch and the films they've done together and and said that of everything she's done, she she doesn't want her kids to watch Wild at Heart. And it's not because of things she does in the movie. It's because of things grandma Grandma. does in the movie. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh,
1: man. Oh, wow. That's funny.
2: Yeah, her character is like Diane Ladd's character, yeah. the mom, is just incredible. I mean, she's just madness.
1: And, and I love the weird mode. Like, there's a the one part where he comes to the table and she goes, Santos! This is so Lynch. It's just like he, he sucks you in, pulls you out. He wants you to see around. Like, it's deliberate. Like, and I love his, just his big dramatic. Like he does a ton, like he was doing a ton in Twin Peaks at the time, like, oh, the overbearing soap opera music. Yeah, right. And and trying to, like, over-dramatize scenes and there's a little bit here in a different way.
2: The dialed up insanity of, like, the overacting mm-hmm. that's, that's happening. I mean, obviously, Cage is just how he lives anyway, but I, yeah. I, even, like, Laura Dern, who's, like, this incredible actress, has this yeah. weird, like, overacting, like, really dramatic Quality about her that yeah. that didn't that I didn't see in Blue Velvet, and it's just right.
1: like no oh, it's a one eighty. Yeah, it's
2: given you this, which is again kind of felt. Another reason why I felt like Twin Peaks to me is mm-hmm. like you're you're watching this weird, campy soap opera that kind of feels like a cartoon or a comedy, but then is so so violent. Lula's backstory is horrifying and but that mixed with all this like campy soap opera stuff you're just
1: their relationship which is the crux of this whole thing i noticed he does a lot of yin and yang balance stuff with them that i don't know maybe it's intentional maybe it's (sighs) not but there's a shot i was noticing it for a bit and i i remembered a couple bits and i'm shaming myself for not going back to find the third one that i can't remember but there's one shot in the hotel where she's in like the bathroom putting on her bra yeah, and right, he's right in the beginning. On, he's laying on the bed with his feet up, and he's got the alarm clock on it, and he's pulling on the, yeah. on the cord. So I noticed, I'm like, that's interesting. She's So she's standing up. She's right-side up, standing up. She's pulling down her bra strap to pull up and support her breasts while he's upside down, has this clock on his feet while he's pulling it down to support it on his feet, and I was like, "That's like push and pull." And the shot has her right here and him here, so Ex- can, like, but kind of mirrored. Yeah, yeah you can yeah. see it. And I was like, "I wonder." I, I was like, "That that's got to be intentional." And then there's a moment in the bed after they've fornicated one of the billion times, where <laughs> um, they're laying across uh, opposite each other, and he's got his legs straight to her, and she's got around, and she's got her covers up, and he's got the covers down. And I was like, "Is this more of this balance?" Oh, like, I, I like, like no. that you oh. found that. And there was a part where he's pan over. It's a close up of him cleaning off his boot. Like he's cleaning his boot off and then she's painting her nails. So it's like cleaning one off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That was it. That was the other one. Dude. All right. I was like, is he like, (laughs) it's gotta be deliberate. Like just showing this, how they're yin and yang to each other. And she's normally got a light top on and he's got that big jacket. Yeah. So so it was a lot of. Oh, that's great. That I liked.
2: I mean, the, that I love that because I feel like that's another kind of big question in the movie, like as you're watching it, is mm-hmm. who's the hero? You know, who's Dorothy? If, yeah. if that's what you're trying to figure out. Cause at times it's it's definitely Cage, but then right it, things happen with Dern, you know, that, that make her feel attacked or weak. But then at other time, I mean, but but then she's the one that's defeated the mother in the end and throwing the water. Mm-hmm. Honor and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, oh, I don't know. I, I I like that you're un. It's unclear who the hero is, who's protecting who. Especially that we have like a, a man and woman in that the in that kind of like teeter totter mm-hmm. role. Yeah, especially for a Lynch film, that that felt kind of magical.
1: Right. Yeah, and they're good together. They have good chemistry. And yeah, this is yeah. one of my this is a this is a favorite Cage role. He's got the I mean, oh people, no kidding. People know this from the him with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth and pointing. Like, I yeah, know that exactly. moment, but, and it's great, but there's so much to it.
2: Oh, I mean, thinking of like most legendary cage moments for me, like mm-hmm. when they're in the, the desert and they just decide to stop because they need to dance and they right. turn on power mad or whatever and just start like kicking up dirt. It's just from the first time I watched it to now, like that scene is just one of my favorite favorite things the
1: the metal is really an interesting choice like because he's this like diehard elvis guy but he loves heavy metal and i and i I came up with this i'm like so his outer shell is like heavy metal but deep in his heart which lula brings out he's got the elvis so when he's really down there he'll sing his elvis song yeah i mean
2: that's exactly it like you know i mean obviously the the scene of them and the Um, when she get breaks him out of not breaks him gets him out of prison, and they Mm -hmm. get all dolled up and then go to watch Power Mad live, and it turns into him singing "Love Me." It's just like, (laughs) it's exactly what you just said. Like, you know, they're there because of who he is, but then once he's melted down, all that's left is him serenading her with an Elvis song in front of a metal crowd.
1: Yeah, I think they even cut one of the songs from the movie. I was watching, and there was another song. I was like, wait, I don't think this happened in here. And then you got to wait till the Love Me Tender. That's like the one, but he never sings. Yeah, and Lynch has called this Finding Love in Hell. That's what he says this movie's about. Okay. And and he does do it. like There's a lot of the matches striking with Mm -hmm. close-ups and sound, and then the cigarette cherries dragging, which is a big thing, which I was trying to like, what's that? But it's like just supposed to show their fire and passion, I guess. That's all I could yeah. take from it um i thought there might be something more to it but well it's cool um
2: it on that note like before you realize lula's full backstory mm-hmm. and the car accident and all that kind of stuff there's so much fire there's so right. many cuts to fire and That's you're true. just you're just thinking oh this is like their you know their passion for each other because you're mm-hmm. seeing you know, they're having sex every other scene in the first half of the movie. And then there's these shots of fire. And then when you realize that the fire is actually this traumatizing accident, it's part of her story. Then it's this weird thing where all of a sudden what you thought was a depiction of their love and specifically their sex is actually this like traumatizing, which is like classic Lynch of just having like the the violence on top of sex and the Mm -hmm. the, just the crossroads of all that kind of... um, I don't know. It's like this w- weird emotional engagement that he does where it's like these these shortcuts to something really passionate, whether it's right. because it's very like hypersexual or like hyperviolent. And it's just it's dramatically emo- uh, emotionally in- engaging in like a fever dream kind of way. You know, it's not And this is just filled with it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's very true. I should have put that together a little bit better. But yeah, I like that that how he's leading you into that. They have a lot of sex in this movie. But there's two roads to this. Like Laura Dern's, we see a flashback where like her dad's business partner had molested, abused her, raped her. And yeah. she's got she got blood on her face. Yeah so he obviously smacked or punched her. And then she's in love with Sailor. And their sex is pretty rough when they have it. So I'm thinking like, oh, so that's since how she was introduced to sex that way. That's maybe how she thinks it is. And so the guy who's like reckless and rough with her like sailor she thinks is oh this is the guy like he's good at wow. it yeah yeah so i was thinking maybe that's her big time attraction because she's only 20 in the film when we start the film at the end she's what 25, 25. probably yeah mm-hmm. but i was thinking that and for for sailor i think he was addicted to his life of crime and the antidote cure recovery for it was lula and the moment that she finds out she's pregnant and like the sex cools off, and they they're not on the road anymore. He's right back into crime. Did you know? Yeah, that? like yeah, he, right. He goes. I didn't, but a dumb that, yeah, job. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, like he joins Bobby Peru, who he does not like. He like, well, we'll go for this job. <laughs> like the minute he's like away from his cure, his newest addiction, he falls right back into his old trap. Yeah, you know? yeah. I like, so I was like, that's what I I figured with their sexual relationship. That's kind of how they each come to it.
2: That's a good perception of like the deeper backstory in the character, which I, mm-hmm. I you know, not that Lynch doesn't go deep, but he's, I don't know. I, I could be notoriously surface level sometimes right. with characters because it's more about vibe and emotion and like being mm-hmm. abstract and to have, I mean, maybe that credit is to the writer of the novel. I don't know, but I, I feel like to, to have Cage, that in Cage here. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cage good point, that good point. It. I really appreciate that kind of, Depth mm-hmm. of that, and because I would argue that there's not a lot of depth to Cage, maybe. So, it, well, no, it, I don't
1: think. They, I have watched people talking about this and I've read. I read a couple essays, and many people are like, "There's not a lot." This is a, a Lynch movie where there's not a lot of depth to these people, but I, they, that uh, Laura Dern and Cage give it so much more uh, than it that's possibly nice. could mm-hmm. have had. Which mm-hmm. Cage, I mean. Say what you will about him, the the man gives you everything, like <laughs> yeah, anything, Yeah, and he, and he yeah, always. That's true. He always. He's a great for Lynch because he always is aware of the kind of film he's in. Like mm-hmm. that's what I don't think people appreciate. They're oh, he's in these bad movies. I'm like, watch him in them. He knows when it's supposed to ham. He knows when he's supposed to go a little bit camp, and he knows when to give a like Oscar dramatic performance. Like he can, he can do it all. The guy's a movie geek. He loves movies, and he knows exactly what kind of thing he's in and he also takes roles because like he just did this really stupid samurai-ish kung fu movie oh yeah which, but right. T- tony Jaw's in it and i bet he saw one of tony Jaw's muay thai movies and was like oh i'll be in with that guy so i'm doing yep. it Yep, like that's and how it, he, and he made it happen yeah exactly he's like oh nick cage is superman i'm like dude nick cage loves superman so like <laughs> come on yeah
2: that curious what you think but i feel like this is probably a tame
1: cage movie and a tame big cage movie i would say yeah yeah mm-hmm. tame bit. yeah because mm-hmm. he does go big and but he's in like i love it you you can tell like there's key phrases and stuff that get him into ca- like peanut when yeah. he says like peanut like oh hey, Peanut yep. like he gets really <laughs> into that and he's fun in this and and the dern's poppy and and fun and, and like oh well let's bobby peru
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, oh man the,
1: i the character people probably most remember from this thing <laughs>
2: How wonderfully awful is William Dafoe oh, in it's this so, movie? Man, he's nasty.
1: They have the maybe one of the most effective rape scenes that involves no sex. Good lord, it's I, mental rape, and it's all like worse than watching a d- rape.
2: That scene and his character have stuck with me my entire. I mean, I've, I've watched oh, yeah. this too young, probably, but it has stuck <laughs> with me my entire life. I don't even want to say it's incredible because it's just a horrific scene, but I think that it, it really is a testament to like the actors that Defoe and Dern are. Like mm-hmm. by the time that scene is over, you are exhausted. You feel dirty. Yeah. um, Like you feel like she she has been like, Rescued some. I know when she's clicking your heels at the end of the scene, it's yeah. just like you just want to start crying, like, please, yeah, is, yeah. I'll, I'll go home too, please.
1: It's so tough, like, and in every time I watch it, I kind of like it lulls me into forgetting how it winds up, like, yeah, exactly. Like, wait, did, I was like, and it's so good, like, it feels like the first time every time you see it. And he is just, he's got that teeth that are gross, but he's got a confidence, and He's playing a wild out there character, but it feels like one of the most straight characters in the damn movie. It's like, <laughs> I think it, think it might be because he perfectly fits the environment, so he feels so natural in yeah, it. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But, that's a, that's good. And he sh- doesn't show up for a long time. I was like, wait, Defoe's Defoe yeah. in this more. But even to his like death, he gets shot down. He falls on a shotgun. It blows his head off, and it bounces off a wall, which Lynch had to censor with smoke. For oh, really? release, yeah, but there, there's an uncut uh, version you can find of it, which the smoke doesn't cover that much. That's but funny. the look on his face, like, nope, oh, well, I'm dead. Like before mm-hmm. it happens, he's just going mm-hmm. like, eh. like, and whoops, <laughs> and whoop. Yeah, he's just a nutbag. He's one of the most best wild card characters ever thrown in a movie. Mm-hmm. And he's just gross, and he's got this like confidence that's cr- like I love him and like the the chubby women. they like, yeah, hey, yeah, I'm the I'm the man here.
2: Yeah, yeah right, exactly. With the oh, so the funny. porno that's being filmed. Oh, yeah. next door or whatever in yes. this yes. motel. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, it is something like weird and redeeming about you know. So you watch that scene, and mm-hmm. then you you hate him, and especially knowing what she's been through. Obviously, like in her childhood, and even what you were saying about her relationship with Sailor, like. Mm-hmm. That, like that there's like violence you know it, it's there's like a a rough quality about their sex that's mm-hmm. probably like a, a direct through line from her own like trauma in her life yeah. and then here she has bobby peru and and in this scene he's like kind of convincing her that that when he's done whispering and touching her and everything that she's going to be asking for the, the sex and and yeah. and she ends up doing that, and it's just like you feel so horrible for her. Like she, I don't even have the the words for it. She feels like weak, maybe in that scene, which mm-hmm. is a tough thing to think about in a Lynch movie for all the you know a- accusations of his portrayal of women. Because mm-hmm. she's obviously this really strong character. She's, in my opinion, the hero of the movie, but has this moment of weakness in that scene that you're trying to unpack as the audience, of like why why was that allowed to get through? Why, why was she not able to overtake yeah. Peru in that moment? And then you just hate him so much. And then that man's demise is just him tripping and accidentally blowing his head off. Right.
1: <laughs> it's kind of magnificent. <laughs> right. That that's
2: like, oh, man.
1: Lynch, he had been accosted a bunch by critics with uh, this treatment of Isabella Rossellini on Blue Velvet. Right. But I'll say this, she's in this movie. It, she, yeah, yeah, right. She worked with him again. Laura Dern has a lot of sexual stuff in this movie. She works with him again and again. And, you know, like it's if they didn't, they would have. And her mom was on this movie too. So right,
2: right, no, yeah, it's such a, I don't know, it's just a really tricky. It's a tricky thing to navigate as mm-hmm. as a fan, as a viewer. I think we've seen enough Lynch. I've read enough Lynch to know that it, he just has this way of playing with both mystery and love and violence and like this like swirling pot of emotions where he's just, he's painting in these broad strokes to get you to a place. And Mm. it's not where you would expect to go. It's not where you would choose to go. And it's often uncomfortable, but, but but it does bring you to these shortcuts of these really emotional engagements with the character on screen. And, Uh, when those characters are women it's uncomfortable as a man Mm -hmm. to see it but there's also like no shortage of like strength and beauty in those same depictions which Mm -hmm. is you're you're confused is what you're supposed to be feeling um which which might be the point of it in his mind
1: and i I talk about before i've always talked about this film is like some people get bothered i'm like and they like turn against a film because it made it feel a certain way. I'm like, it was supposed to make you feel a certain way. That did its job. It's successful. Yeah,
2: like, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm.
1: You're not, mm-hmm. you don't come around, you know, the point of it was to, whoa, why would I want to feel that? I'm like, you need to, like, film is an art. Art is supposed to make you feel, it's supposed to evoke emotions, inspiration, all sorts of things. And, like, not all this, like, ha-ha. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's not all mm-hmm. Snickers, man. It's like, it's got to make you do other things. It's like life you know, art is life and it's, you know, it's got to make you feel different, different right. stuff. Like you don't go, I mean, you go watch a football game and your team loses. I mean, like you don't go hating them for, I mean, you probably do, but
2: yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's um, yeah. I, I really ap- ap- appreciate, I guess that the way he's chosen to, I don't know, just, just paint, paint with those emotions in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and,
1: I don't think it comes from a place of ill intention or anything mm-hmm. like that. I think that's just how the vision comes out. And I think he has fully earned the trust and given the clarity to his performers that they keep coming back. Everybody wants to work with Lynch again. They like him. They understand. They, they know that. So I, I really, yeah. Yeah. while some of it is kind of vulgar or. Yeah. I mean, and thinking about that scene, thinking
2: about Dern's role, like, yeah, that, that seems extremely vulgar. It's hard to watch. But if the theme of this movie is kind of the the don't turn away from love, line like the takeaway is not that scene is not what happened in mm-hmm. that scene. It's the power that Laura had. Um, that's the so funny one. I heard Laura come out of my mouth. I, I <laughs> thought I was misspeaking. Uh, Laura Palmer. Uh, but like the, the there's a a power that Lula has mm-hmm. in the film, and and that's that it's not belittled by that scene existing. It, it kind of has its its climax at the end of the movie when she finally overtakes her mother and it, like her confidence with Sailor choosing to leave because of everything that's happened to them and the the Lula character. I, have you ever read the book? I'm curious if you have. I, I have not, not read
1: the book. I have not read the book. And the the, the the author says Lynch did his own thing with it, but he's not object- He likes it. Yeah, interesting.
2: the the Lula the Lula character is very fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And rewatching it as an adult, it it was like, it was hard in a lot of ways, because I think I'd forgotten about the violence and those like vulgar moments. But then in like the peaks opposite the valleys for her in the film, it's like, man, she's actually just a a fascinating portrayal of a woman who's extremely confident and has this awareness of um, her emotions, you know, this... Love with this like murderer that keeps going to prison, and mm-hmm. the, the, that she's also like fighting like th- this mystical power in her mother. It's just I don't know. I, I don't have the the words for it. I feel like I'm stumbling. But it's really fascinating. I it's fascinating and it's confusing because it's wild at heart. And I that's right. not what that's not what I had remembered in the movie. So rewatching as you know a grown man now was like, whoa, this is. Yeah. This we is could, a, I mean, we
1: could. You and I could watch this tomorrow and come up with a whole yeah view on it exactly like that's i mean that's the beauty of lynch that's why i love stuff. and that's why i i've been doing with you know there's there's films i think that you should see like young check it out again in like five years you know as you go through life Mm -hmm. like that's happened to me with like 2001 a space odyssey Blade, blade runner and stuff you get a different idea from them or a different feeling or your life's in a different place and i think it's one of those films vertigo that one i showed to my eight-year-old son last year and because i was reviewing the 4k of it and i was like look you're gonna hate me you're gonna be bored (laughs) but i want you to watch it now and then like five or six years you and i are gonna watch it again oh Um, i love it And then down the road because vertigo for me was like yeah and then now i'm (laughs) just like fascinated right. by the damn thing and he watched it and he was like "Yeah, okay <laughs> and and then like the day later he was talking about it he's like remember in vertigo it's like, all right all right he's picking up on some things but it's just it's a weird and vertigo sounds like a straight thing but there's a lot of visual storytelling that's so fascinating with that which is in part of i'll swing it back to david lynch there's a lot of visual stuff that goes with just enjoying it on that level i should you know it'd be fun to watch this movie on mute see what you come what comes oh, of it yeah
2: oh i mean that's a great point i mean the dialogue
1: the, and music can be distracting like yeah you can get something else out of it
2: yeah um, i mean and the um another thing i had forgotten about while at heart is that the score like the battle of Menti score i, I mean another connection to twin peaks like it, it there are moments that really feel like yeah. battle of Menti was in the same zone same instruments which i love but but then of course there's the the elvis and the power mad uh, right metal so
1: and there's the there's the one and it feels perfect the most perfect song for this film is is it chris isaac oh that, yeah yeah he one got a that couple plays songs yeah bit, but that one when they're driving in the night i'm like this is the perfect song to go why wasn't this abused Ugh. throughout the damn film no, it's the perfect kidding. desert driving music
2: no kidding uh, the, man there are but that scenes... would be expected
1: and extended <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. what you expect
2: exactly but th- some of those driving scenes of uh, that i uh, sorry that we're skipping all over the place, but it, that's no better way to talk about a Lynch film, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the, the shots of, okay, Lula and sailor have the talk about that. He's, he wants to do this heist with Bobby Peru. She doesn't right. want him to the next morning he leaves and he's doing it. And it's, there's no audio in the mood. You're only listening to music. Like the, right. the sound design is missing and it's just Lula crying cage in the backseat of the convertible questioning what he's off to. And then yeah. per- Peru and Rossellini and the front seat, like laughing and it just slow motion, just back and forth between those three shots with this great battle Menti score over it. And it's like, man, I could watch that for an hour and a half. Just
1: right. I, well, there's, yeah, there's all different, like there's a lot of little parts. I mean, there's the, the scene where, uh, what's it? Uh, grace, Sabrinsky, brisky, the mom from Twin Peaks, where she's first introduced, and it's all shadow. Yeah, and yes. and then she get, she does come out, and she's got she's a, oh, definitely a typical like if there's a typical Lynch character, she fits the bill. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then she's uh, you know David Patrick Kelly's with her, and like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's he's a known commodity, and he's definitely I mean he's in a bunch of Lynch stuff too, but like he's underused. He did appear in a lot of deleted material. Oh, um, did so he? that just happened. Crispin Glover's in a random <laughs> right. flashback role. He had a he had a moment cut uh, where they ran into him at like a fill station or something. Oh, um, crazy! But you know what? Any chance to give Chris, Crispin Crispin Glover was made for David Lynch. Oh no! And kidding. It's surprising that this is <laughs> one of their few.
2: I know it really is, isn't persons? it? Yeah. And the scene. It is it true that his character in this movie is kind of like this afterthought like like it was designed just to be this random
1: i think so scene like i I always hear that i I mean it it feels like it but i think it's supposed to be like helping fulfill and show the kind of people that lula's been surrounded with yeah okay okay she's a cousin yeah right okay and maybe sailor is the normal most normal thing she's ever had But yeah, it's a really weird. I like the sandwiches bit; it cracks me up. He's like, "I'm making my sandwiches." (laughs) I know. It's so funny. It's so funny. I know.
2: I yeah. I had forgotten about that line. Watch rewatching it, and it was just like, "Oh, thank you, thank you." Oh Oh, man,
1: I dig this. Like, it's hard for me not to like something Lynch, but I yeah, I really dig this one. And there's plenty to sink your teeth into if you like the weirder Lynch stuff. It's there for sure but yeah uh,
2: I, I think knowing the the wizard of oz mm-hmm. madness i mean obviously Cheryl Lee as the the good witch of the north is in is case like, you
1: weren't paying attention the whole time here she comes yeah, yeah. exactly
2: but i noted i mean you you probably caught it but i did not remember i don't know the actor's name he was also in dune as one of the mentats he approaches them at a bar and he's he has a his hair is styled like one of the munchkins oh. in wizard of oz yes 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 and yes, yes and yeah. yep. he talks to them in like a, a
1: uh <laughs> sped up chipmunk voice yeah. like is this like that that was the actor's choice he wanted that God, he he decided he went and Lynch is like because he was just supposed to talk normal yeah
2: just but that's talking about pigeons and incredible incredible wizard of oz moment right is easy to miss somehow.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but- yeah, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. There's so much, like, there's a bunch of stuff that listeners probably like. They didn't talk about this. But, I know, like, I know. So much. It's 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 rough. So, like Harry Dean Stanton, we barely touched him, right. but he's just the well, he's normal as how, like he. Mm-hmm. He's just straight Harry Dean Stanton there, and you feel yep. bad for private him. Private Eye, and, yeah. yeah.
2: Yep. Private Eye that gets tortured and murdered. Yeah, in the hotel.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, poor guy. Thought he was in love. No, no. And then there's the there's like Santos. I guess in the book though, the Santos character is the guy that gets called on the toilet with the woman. Where oh is this he? Guy. Oh he's the guy Mr. Reindeer? Yeah, and Mr. Reindeer. And he pulls out, and it's there's a naked woman dancing. He's on yeah. the toilet. It's <laughs> this rich bathroom. I'm like, this is great. This, this is oh, oh my gosh that I I'm but that that Santos in the book. It is, and okay. Then, and then the character that Grace Sabrisky plays is made up as well.
2: Oh. So was Mr. Reindeer made up as well? Like he's he no, added Mr. by Lynch? Well,
1: yeah, yeah. He's added, but he was Santos. And, and kind Santos, of like split. He made Santos more involved with the, the mom and stuff. Uh, That's what Lynch added that to it. Yeah. Ah. Uh, but I guess there's like eight books of this series. Like it's a series of books. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. There's like a bunch of them. So. All
2: right, here I know what we're doing this year, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Reading up on these books, yeah. That scene, Mr. Ranger on the toilet, the naked lady dancing next to him, in the background is the platters, the old like Motown artist, the okay. platters playing, and yeah. that song is the song that the Got a Light guy puts on the record in the Twin Peaks of return. Oh, in that episode eight, the, the crazy episode. That's just classic non The best Lynch. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, And I feel like could, talking to people about the return and rewatching the return, it's been fun to kind of like play where's Waldo in it and figure mm-hmm. out where he's referencing his, his career. Now that we know that that's kind of what is happening yeah. in the return. And I think that maybe, the platters playing in the God of Light scene is yeah. is referencing the Mr. Reindeer scene listening to the platters in Wild at Heart. I don't know. It, I mean, he, he has that music a lot. I mean, Mahalan Drive had that, obviously Blue Velvet and Roy Orb- Orbison. And that's I awesome. think I think that's
1: what was happening there with the with the platters. I'll take it. I'll, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Marking it down. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. That's awesome.
2: I, at one point thought I was onto something with... See,
1: I love this. I thought I was was following this. (laughs) No. Which, again,
2: uh, 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 as Life Lynch fans, that's what you learn that like a... He was thinking about it a lot more than you realized. And B, the thing you're thinking about a lot, he didn't even he had care no about it. No idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all the sex scenes are in a different color. And at yeah. first I thought it we were working our way through Roy G Biv or something for like the, Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that's what's happening. And then
1: I thought maybe it was trying to recreate like a something from the Wizard of Oz yeah. going on. Like maybe it's the poppies or like I don't right, know. Right, like yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't put it together. I'm like, well, next time Next time, <laughs> shelve it. We're doing it next time. Yep. What else? This is where we just talk about other things we may have taken in media wise: books, music, movies, blah 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 blah. Or maybe something we've recently put out in the world. So, Nate, what else? Man, the
2: the most recent thing that I've worked on as a record. Oh man, end of. 2019 beginning of 2020 put out kind of this ep that revisited the first record that metavari did okay. and i i brought back every musician that i had ever played with through the life of metavari and we rewrote every song on that first record in kind of the the world that I'm living in now as metavari and it was just this really fun weird project you know kind of like like one of the members just didn't have a way to record anything and did like an acoustic piece recorded mm-hmm. on his cell phone. And I was able to then like transpose it and, and oh, cool. interpret it. And it was really cool. It was really, It's really somber side of it is that the, uh, the guy that I started the band with died last year of a mm-hmm. uh, really short battle with cancer. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a, an homage to him. W- we knew that things had taken a turn and were un. Unsure how much longer he'd be with us. So Ty and I got together and we got all these pieces from all these members and we sat in a studio for a week and rewrote all these songs together. And it was this mm-hmm. really beautiful, awesome way to just kind of like write the final thing that we would ever write together. Yeah. It was really Pretty cool. It, it was epic, so much yeah. fun. It was, it was so, I'm, I'm so, so thankful that we made the time for that and did it. But but that's the last thing that the Metavari did. It's called Soft Continuum. Okay, um, and it's free. I mean, it's streaming on all the platforms, but it's also you know free on our site and stuff like that. But I would be remiss not to talk about it because it's uh, it's just like a, a big yeah. part of my year for sure. It's just like getting it finished and and having right. this cool little little memento, especially having all those guys involved in it again.
1: Gotcha. Excellent. Uh let's see myself. I really I I did a I saw I watched uh the review for the 4K of uh, Love and Monsters. It's a okay. Nice little film. It's a very full, that kind of a post-apocalyptic young adult novel kind of thing. Okay. But not so grim, much brighter, fun lead to follow around. It's 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 an adorable little movie. Um <laughs> but what I want to point out, which is I have been guilty of not checking this out and I didn't in time for my top 10 the year last year because i thought it was a mini series but this is actually like a movie split into five parts amazon did not roll it out appropriately so because it's great it's called small axe it's from Uh, steve mcqueen who did 12 years a slave but it's
2: bookmarking this
1: kind of like a anthology the first one's two hours and the rest are about 60 minutes it's five parts and it's uh, it focuses on black life in the UK in the like 60s, 70s, where there's a lot of like a lot of racism and sh- shit going on. Like, we don't see that from like the we, whenever we see racism stories, it's always America. And I'm not yeah. saying like, oh, it's cool to pass the buck on to someone else, but to see the similarities and in how it's going yeah. on. And it's got people like John Boyega's in it. I Can't remember her name. The Black Panther's sister in the movie. She's in one of them. A lot of people, but McQueen does. I'm not through with it. I have one more to go, but he's done a thing where, like, every one of them, like, feels like it could have been done by a different director. Like he, wow. he takes different styles to it, and it's visually fascinating. He has his second one's called Lovers Rock. Now this is the like the least hard one to watch of them. Okay, and uh, this is just like. It's very Richard Linklater, slacker, kind of dazed and confusing like. Oh, but, weird. Um, it's just about this, like, party. Like, it starts with a girl coming home from a party late one night and then just follows around this party getting set up. These teens having going to the party, having these dramas. It's not a lot of, like, main character following around. You're just kind of, like, there at the party. And nothing bad really happens. It's more like teen drama, but, like, it just works and it sings and you're just like, and I don't even remember. I was like, was this one shot? Did they try to do that or did they? It just felt so, it's so fluid there. Yeah, yeah, and it's only an crazy. hour. It doesn't feel long, but it feels like you were really there for the whole thing, and and it's just kind of fun and bouncy and just youthful and to see like because they had to have this party like hidden apartment a ways away and they bring the music in and they like have DJs and people singing live and, and these kids just dancing or going outside to smoke and having a fight or something and hooking up and stuff. And it's just, it's really interesting. It's one of the most interesting things I've seen. Like I probably, well, I saw it in 2021, but of the previous year, it's just, it would have notched up my list somewhere. That one part at least, but, but the other ones, the other ones have this restaurant owner who gets harassed by white cops, and there's a lot of good court dramas in these movies too. Really, and there's one where John Boyega is sick of racism. It's one of his, I think, his father or somebody gets like hospitalized by police, and he decides to join the police force. And it goes about his drug because he wants to make a difference. He's like, we don't have enough black cops. Wow. And stuff, but it's like, yeah, it's really. And there's one about a kid who gets incarcerated for dumb stuff, and you see his life. Uh, growing up, just not having the opportunities, and just how the system was against him, and it's just fascinating. And really good filmmaking too. Some of them are there's tough stuff, but to watch, but it's it's great. Like McQueen's really really good in there. Like I think his directing stronger than Twelve Years a, S- a Slave on that. And wow. He won, and that one won Oscars and stuff. But I, I really like what he's doing here. It's fascinating. But it was supposed to be a, f- a film told in five parts and the amazon's like miniseries season one it's like no uh, that's not how it's supposed bummer. to be so i it, i was like i'm gonna watch this but i'm gonna get to it later i gotta get my films in and then i found out it was a a film so
2: sweet sucks. but right. yeah
1: small acts but yeah that'll uh do it for this episode nate it is always the greatest of pleasures to reconnect with you and i uh, thank Man, you for seriously. The, the greatest podcast theme of podcast themes so tell me about your latest but where can people keep up with metavari
2: Yeah so we we are old-fashioned and I, I put a lot on our our regular old website metavari.com back catalog is up there you know socials link from there uh, the entire catalog of metavari is free on our bandcamp which links from the website but mm-hmm. everything you need to know is metavari.com so Maybe. awesome.
1: And it'll be. you can find that on my website, too. If you go to About <laughs> yeah, right. the Show, it's already exactly. there. Uh, so that'll do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow on YouTube for 4K Blues Day, and the podcast will return on Wednesday for Old Space Show. Until then, always remember to keep the positivity in your online film discussion.
0: Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at BrandonPetersShow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. Into town a couple days ago. Yeah, Bobby here is the most exciting item to hit Big Tuna
1: since the 86 cyclone sheared the roof off the high school. You from uh, Texas, Mr. Perot?
0: Oh, I'm from all over.